Hey, welcome to the show tonight. We have a great show for you. And my name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your host. And we are the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. You can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. And we are 35 strong up and down the state of California. We also have members in Hawaii, Oregon, and Washington. Uh, like I said, we've got a great show for you tonight. Donna Frankhart is with us. And Donna Frankhart was a deputy coroner who handled old bad cases. She'd, she'd go in there if somebody was murdered, if somebody, you know, if it was a suicide and stuff like that. And then um, she also worked in a mortuary, but she had, but not only did she deal with the dead and deal with the living, of course, to notify the families, but she also had some of the dead follow her home. So we're going to talk about that tonight. One thing I want to show you guys, T-shirts came in, or at least a shirt came in. And I've, I've been practicing this all day to see if I can show you guys what, what the back looks like. It turned out really cool. So let's see if I can get the back up for you guys to see. I can't see what I'm doing, so I'm just going to have to move it to position. There we go. So there you can see the shirt. That's the back of the shirt. The front of the shirt has the logo. So I'm going to have those up for sale um, on the website by Friday. They have, you know, I'm trying to figure out a nice price for you guys. Also, if you want a t-shirt, here's a hint. If you can find me a guest, guest suggestion of a guest that that actually comes on and we get the guest booked and we do the show, I will give you a free t-shirt. Now that's a heck of a deal. And what I will do, and I will even have it on the air, just like I just did, I will bring the shirt out, I will show you, tell tell everybody who, who suggested a guest, and I'll mail these things out to you, okay? So it's a freebie if you guys want it. So that's food for thought. But check the website at www.californiahuntsradio.com on Friday, and I'll have prices up on these. All the funds go back to the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team because we're a nonprofit. So we don't take any, we don't make any money, you know, ghost hunting or doing the radio show or anything like that. Okay. All right. Let's get on with our show. On with the show. This is it. So again, my guest is Donna Frankard, and I'm really excited to have her on. So without further ado, let's bring Donna on. Hello. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. In fact, uh, the, you know, the last time I saw you on the other show, you were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And in my career as a journalist, as I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually a crime courts reporter. That's really? what my specialty oh, is. 
this is right up your alley then. So yeah, so I have dealt with a lot of coroners in my day and all that. And some of my questions, you know, at the when I was at the um, the coroner's offices, were, have you had any experiences here? And of course, they'd be, you know, stiff upper lip, going, "No, we haven't had anything happen here." You know. <laughs> <laughs> so when you came on, I was like, wow. <laughs> "Yes, I kind of like nobody likes to talk about that, but I'm just, I'm out there." I'm not going to hide it. It happened to me. And so. So let's hear your story. Tell us about you. Well, I'm a former deputy coroner. I was for eight and a half years. I'm from the Midwest. I have two grown sons, two, uh, I was going to say two grandsons. I have a granddaughter and a grandson that was just born a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, I, as I mentioned, I'm a former deputy coroner. I no longer do that, but the spirits have followed me since. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Tell people, you know, deputy coroners have different jobs. And I was trying to you know, explain to everybody what your function was. Because you got all the nasty cases to have to go out to, right? Yes. Uh, a coroner or a deputy coroner, and I'll just refer to deputy coroner, sure, which I was. Sure. Well, first off, a coroner is an elected official. A deputy coroner is hired and sworn in. And so we do all almost everything that a coroner does. So for example, not example, but if there's a an uh, unwitnessed, a suspicious or unexpected death, we are paged out to the scene. The scene is considered a crime scene until the investigation has been completed and ruled out that there was any foul play. So we would be paged out to homicides, suicide, car fatalities, drownings, fires, drug overdoses, but also if people went into like an, e an emergency room situation and, they, and then they were admitted to a hospital or not even admitted to the hospital, just in the ER room and it was under 24 hours, we would be called in and there'd be an investigation done. And so we had to rule out that there was foul play. So when we'd arrive to wherever the death was, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to pronounce the time of death. Mm -hmm. And then we would ex kind of examine the body, uh, draw fluids for toxicology, which would be either blood, urine, or vitreous, and vitreous is from the eye. And then we would determine whether there should be an autopsy. We would bag and we'd take photos, of course, notify the family, uh, bag and tag the body, and then set up for transport to the morgue down for autopsy or to the funeral home if there was not going to be an autopsy. So between the police department and the coroner, like the, the, the decedent is under the possession of the deputy coroner or the coroner. Mm -hmm. And then the actual scene, the crime scene is under control of the police or the detectives. And then working as a team together, we would do the investigation. So my question is, is I read Thomas Noguchi's book, and he had said, <laughs> I see the smile, he had said in there that, because people don't realize this when you talk about time of death, it, it, the, 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 how many times does a body go into rigor? How many times? Well, there's yeah. so many different factors, depends obviously on how long they've been deceased, the temperature of where the body is, uh, what medications that they took or whatever was in their system. I mean, mm -hmm. I went on cases where the uh, rigor, they were in full rigor. So it's anywhere from like 
a few hours, like let's say six out four to let's say four to six hours, but then that rigor eventually does break down. Right. And so right. that could be up to 36. So how hours. do you tell the time of death on people then? Well, what we do is a uh, I'm gonna speak for the county that I worked in. The we would pronounce the time of death from the time that we got there. Okay. And we determined, well, we knew for sure and determined, well, obviously, you know, the paramedics had already been there. They tried, they do everything that they could if there was anything. But by the time mm -hmm. when the coroner, coroner gets there, we pronounce the time of death and that's what's put on the death certificate. Okay. Okay. So I wondered how that worked. When yeah, you talk so about it, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say, let's say someone passes away in the middle of the night, but then a um, family member comes in the next morning. They find that they're, they, they've de they're deceased. And so, of course, they call the police, and then it goes through all that. When the coroner gets there, it's going to be the time we get there. It's not that, oh, okay, so they most likely, and there's rigor setting in, they're already cold. It was probably 12 hours ago. It's going to be from the time our eyes looked at this dead body and examined it and so okay okay well you talk about accidents i, I yeah I've, I've been out on a, on a few doozies and uh one that really comes to mind that kind of bothered me was they found this car on, in, in the river and i go i, I, go, I go driving out there and and you know where i'm not going to say where i was working because it might because the same the same corner is not there anymore <laughs> i don't want to get anybody in, you know any hassles but they were very open with the press and letting us do pretty, you know, get as close as we wanted and all this. But I decided to stay on the levee while they were pulling the car out of the water. And this water, this car had been in there for like a year. Oh. And I didn't realize that the guy was still sitting in the front seat because and everything looked dark. Everything looked dark. They pulled him up and coroner walked over there. So I'm, I, got, I got a long lens. I'm snapping photos, right? And uh, I didn't realize it was him until they, they turned his head and the mouth opened. Oh. And all these crawdads came piling out of this guy's face. Wow. You know, it really? was just craziness. Yeah. Out of all the ones I've been to, that, that's the one that bothered me the most. That, we'll yes. That. Very well, and that's the thing. I mean, people, you can watch horror movies on film, and, of course, it's scary. But until you've actually witnessed or you've worked hands-on and been surrounded by death, it's at a whole different level. It becomes very personal, and 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 it's when you see it in person, it can be very traumatic. It is yeah. something that you never forget. I mean, I've seen people probably like you, you know, like on freeways, like they look like postage postage stamps after going through windshields and stuff. But yeah. this really to to see the to see, and then you can see them like like with the, in the ribs, you know, because this the, the fish had eaten some eating the skin so you can see the crawfish coming it was like somebody at disneyland you can see the crawfish coming up you know on this guy but this is not about me this is about you go ahead this is about you it's all good i was just gonna say oh my god and if you're not prepared for it and then all of a sudden it's like right there that's for you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so it was different i'd already been on the job like five years you know because i'd seen a lot at that point and wow oh. wow 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 what makes someone go into that kind of work well, for me, I had had a little bit of a medical background. Actually, my my main career was in corporate travel for over thirty mm -hmm. some years. So, um, but I was always fascinated. I was all, I always enjoyed the medical, not enjoyed, but was interested in the medical field. So, 
I just took like the basics, the certified nursing assistant program. Uh, I worked as a medical assistant for a couple of nephrologists for a short period of time. They would be, they would work, um, they would specialize with uh, people with diabetes and um, kidney disease. Mm -hmm. And then I worked at a hospital on a neurosurgical floor. So I'd gone through a divorce in the early 2000s. Our sons were still at a younger age where they would be at their dad's every other weekend. And so I wanted to do something that would be constructive and something that I would enjoy that would help other people. I was probably at that time feeling a little bit, uh, well, I was disappointed and, and trying to figure out what direction to go in, but I wanted to keep my mind occupied and busy. So I'd heard of a crisis response team. It was a, a group, a team that were volunteers that worked with five police departments in the area. And then they'd go out on, they'd be paged out on calls, anything from um, uh, death to domestic disturbance. And basically what we would do is we would either help the families of the loved ones or whomever was at this particular scene in maybe making phone calls for them if they were so distraught over whatever was going on or we might make coffee or just be there for emotional support, maybe hand out teddy bears to the, the children. But all it seemed like at so many death cases, I would be asked if I could help to physically remove the body just for mm -hmm. another set of arms and, you know, to help carry the right. body out. And I was always afraid of death before uh, all through life because I'd had tragedy and our family did, um, with losing loved ones over murder. But anyhow, so I was still fascinated by being close up with these dead bodies and watching them from a distance, their investigation. And the coroner had seen how I handled myself and how I was with the families. And we just started talking at one point. And uh, I'd said that if he was ever looking for another deputy that I would be so interested and so about nine or 10 months later, I got the phone call from him and he was considering hiring on another deputy. And he would was basically, he was going to have me follow him and see how I, I handled these, uh, these cases, these investigations. Mm -hmm. And so I followed him for about another nine or 10 months to some really oh, horrible, horrible scenes. I did good. I did. He was uh, satisfied with the way that I handled myself and the investigations. And so I was offered the position and then I was hired and sworn in and the rest is history. Wow. At the time, I, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was say, at the time it was just, I wanted to help others. And right. I, I thought even if it was just to be there for other, for the families of the loved ones that had been lost, that passed away, that I would feel I was doing something good for the community. You guys had to have had the hardest job in the world having, having to notify families, though. That's just horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the job I had was bad enough that after you guys were notified the families, I called a death watch because they would send me out to the houses and say, well, try and get an interview with people after they just lost their loved one. And I was just like, oh, wow. Oh, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I can understand exactly what you had to go through when you had to notify these families. Well, and the thing is, and I've been asked, what was harder, doing the actual investigation or notifying the families? And I have to say that they were equally difficult because 
Well, number one, as we would say, deputies would, or coroners would say, we, we are the voice of the dead when they can no longer speak. So mm -hmm. it was our responsibility to make sure and find out if they died at the hands of another. Now you have to notify the family, the next of kin, the loved ones, that their loved one has died tragi tragically. Mm -hmm. And But I always treated the decedent, the body, or the decedent, and the families with the utmost respect. They never lost, the, the, the decedent never lost their dignity. I was... Uh, very, very, like I said, respectful of them, even though I they were gone. Well, their body was gone, or right, they were right. out of their body. And with the with the families, I would sit with them if I had the time. After the investigation was completed, the decedent had been transported, and I had time, and I wasn't paged out to another call. I would sit with the family, and I would talk to them about their loved one. I'd ask them, like, you know, how many years were you married? Or, you know, what did what did they, what was their career? Just to let them know that I, it, it wasn't just another body that, an investigation and another body that I was working. It was that I was letting them know I respected them and that they've lost a loved one. And it was one of the darkest days of their lives that they've unexpectedly lost this person. So it was very emotionally draining. For me. Absolutely. You know, you yeah. brought up a good point too when you were talking about um, the body a while a few minutes ago. I came to the conclusion because people kept asking me how how I how I could go out to these accident scenes and see these bodies and not feel anything. It's not that I didn't feel anything. It's just that after I don't know about you, but after a while, you realize that the person's no longer in there. It's just a shell. Right. Yeah. Well, and you, you go into, and I'm sure you did it too, you go, you, you go into like a mindset. You're focused or I would be focused on the investigation. So that was the most important thing. But of course, keeping everything respectful. Like if mm -hmm. the family, uh, it was uh, a scene, a crime scene where, and the family wanted to see them one more time where they were taken off and they weren't going to be not tampering, but, you know, entering into a crime scene. I would do what I could to like, I'd clean their faces off, maybe put a pill, the decedent, put a pillow under their head, a blanket over mm -hmm. them to make it even it not look as bad. I can't right. say to make it look like it's, you know, like they were just sleeping. It's as, as close as I could mm -hmm. to make it not as difficult for the family to see them. But you do, you go into a mindset and you do what you need to do and you, the emotions, you have to keep the emotions aside. You don't want to be like hard, but you're focused. And then once it's all done, that would be when it, all the emotions would start coming in. And I would maybe cry my way, cry myself driving home or once I got home. Or there were times actually, depending on the circumstances where, and after the investigation was done and I'd sit with the family that I would have a tear, you know, a tear or two that would come down or I'd, you know, you know whomever I'd, I'd take their hand or I give them a hug and we would talk quietly. So you just kind of read their reactions and feel what they needed at that moment without Absolutely. losing, without losing um, you know, your position or keeping it. I'm trying to think my, my mind just went totally blank uh, being professional, continually being right. professional, but showing that you do have that compassion. I never lost that.
See, that was my thing too. When they'd send me out the next day, you know, I felt horrible. They'd answer the door and I'd say, look, I really, honestly, I don't want to be here doing this, but I, I, I have to do it. It's my job. I'm sorry, but you know, we have to try and get an interview. I know this is horrible for you. It's a horrible time. Love You know, all that. So, yeah. Okay. Well, um, we got your background, so let's get to the nitty gritty of all this, um, <laughs> right? Um, uh, you've been waiting for that. Hey. So, when did you start notice things happening during your work or after your work? Oh, I became aware things could have been happening in the beginning, but I was not, never even entered my my thoughts. Well, actually, it did. I think about you know the when you'd be with these decedents, you might be alone in the room. And I would, I would always talk to them, not full on conversations. And it wouldn't be when there'd be a room full of people, but I might say, let's say Bob or Robert, Robert, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Um, please rest in peace. And, you know, your, your family will have, they'll hold on to the memories and, you know, just little things to the decedent. Um, I started to, <laughs> things started happening at home. Like for example, um, music would start, little music box would start playing or um, orbs would bounce off of curtains. And my sons were seeing orbs bouncing. Actually, I'm trying to think, things were happening at the scene where officers were at. And I ha actually have in the book, there was one um, case that I was on that, um things were happening i don't know if you want me to get into that but sure go I, ahead. it's fine if, if you okay. like getting into it go ahead well it was Back a it was a a young gentleman that had passed away he had a lot of medical issues there was nothing suspicious uh, no foul play but he had passed away unexpectedly and he was in the middle of making lunch and so course the police were called and then I came to the scene and I was going to draw fluids for uh, toxicology and so I was haunched down over him and I was just about going to uh, draw get the blood um, sample and my pager went off now that just happened to happen at that point in time, but it caught me off guard and I jumped and the, the officers were kind of giggling. And so then I went and I answered the page, the call, and then I went to complete the um, doing the blood draw. And there was an old rotary phone on the wall. Now I should actually back up and tell you that okay. the next of kin was asking um, if there was any chance that they could have his skull because they wanted to carve his skull because he was uh, um, a Wiccan. Okay. And so of course the officers are saying, nope, 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 no. I, I understand though that, and I don't know how true this is because this particular person did not get his skull, but that they can get the skull if they believe in, if it's a religion, I don't know how true that is, but anyhow, so then I was going to draw blood the second time and there was an old rotary phone on the wall and it started screeching, you know, like really loud ringing. And the lieutenant or sergeant, whatever he was, was standing closest to the phone. Of course, I jumped again, jumped back and he picked up the phone and he's like, hello, hello, hello. 
and there was nobody there. And then everybody kind of looks at each other like, oh, that's kind of weird. And wow. then put the phone back down. And I said, okay, now this, I'm going to try it one more time. Don't let me fall into him. And they all started chuckling. And I said, you shouldn't be laughing because he is here and he's watching us. Of course, they thought that was kind of crazy, you know, that I said that. I'm just about to insert the needle the, the third time. The phone started ringing on the wall again. He picked up the phone. And, hello, hello, hello. Nobody was there. He put the phone back down and, you know, hooked it back up. And they just kind of stood back and walked back. We all actually walked away from the body for a few minutes just to kind of regain our composure because there was something going on. Then we went to walk back to him. Right at the top of his head were some coins. And one of the officers said, did you notice those coins there before? And we were all like, no, there weren't any. Well, coins started appearing by his head. So they, you know, that, that's one of the examples of what started happening. I had one night at home in the very beginning part of my career. I don't know, it could have been, you know, a year from when I started. And I went to the bathroom in the middle of the night, shut the lights, opened the, shut the lights off, opened the door, the bathroom door. And uh, there was a figure standing in front of me. It was the whole figure, black. And I thought it was the shadow of one of my sons because they were in high school at that time. And I thought, well, it's kind of weird, you know, because I didn't think they'd do something like that. It's the middle of the night. And so I stood there like, come on, I'm tired. I want to go back to bed. Ha ha. Okay. You know, but the, right. the, the figure didn't move. And so then I thought, oh, and I put my hand out and I went right through the figure. Well, then I scampered back to my bed. I also, which was in the book, had uh, one night where a head and an elderly man, and he looked very angry, was hovering over me, my bed, looking down at me. And he looked, his lips were pursed. And I'm like wide-eyed looking up at him like, oh my God, somebody broke in and they're going to hurt me. And so I quick put the blankets over my head. And then I thought, what am I doing? I have to see if he's going to hurt me. So I pulled the blankets back down and I'm looking up and he's still kind of bouncing. Look, just the head. And it was like shaped in a spear at the back of his head. And then I just, I was like frozen solid staring at this head. And then it slowly, the head slowly turned and it just and it shot across the room and dissipated. So I had things like that. I actually had that the other night, not with a head. I had the, a full... People are going to think I'm crazy, but let me tell you, like you said, people don't admit in the death industry that there's these things going on, but it's interesting. And I'm sorry, I'm jumping off here. I, through having my, my book published and, and I have those couple of Facebook pages, I have mm -hmm. had a coroner reach out to me and in another state. And he said to me, oh, I'm just, she actually said, I'm so, I'm so glad that I've met you. We exchanged numbers, started talking. And she said, all right, I asked her if she had anything going on. And she said, oh, her husband's a police officer. She said, oh my God, I have so, we have so much activity. I said, tell me about it. What's happening? She said, well, they have every night about one o'clock in the morning. I can't remember. She said one or two in the morning, but I'm going to say one o'clock in the morning. And they have wooden floors. Her husband has got to have a fan blowing at night because he can't stand the sound of the footsteps that come down the wooden hallway of the spirit. Hmm. 
that comes into their bedroom and then it sits down on her on their bed and the bed goes down and it's just something that they deal with every night and i said well why don't you sell the house well apparently it was her husband's like let's say great grandparents and then it was handed down to the, the grandparents and then the parents and now they have the home so they don't know if it's uh, loved ones, their family, or if it's a uh, spirit that one of them brought home from their job. I've also had a forensic technician out of Great Britain that contacted me and said, oh God, I can really relate to your book because working in the morgue, we have things flying off the shelves all the time. So it's like, you know, people that don't believe in it, I'm, I can't try to change their mind, but I can be honest and tell you, I'm telling you from my experience mm -hmm. that it's happened. It's happened for years. It's still happening. I believe that we leave our bodies, but we, our souls and our energy will continue on and they're just all around. I had, I had a medium tell me that because I was so compassionate at the scene that, uh, and respectful to the, the decedent that many of them would follow me home. A lot of them would not cross over my threshold, but a lot of them attached to me because most well, the deaths, most of the deaths that we went on were unexpected, right? So they didn't expect mm -hmm. to die. So they're confused or they're young, you know, they're confused. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that they're dead or they don't know what to do. And so many of them just kind of attach to because they're not sure what to do. So. Well, that makes sense because you're, you're, you're the last one they come in contact with. Right. And I was also told that you're, I'm like a beacon of light. So right. I'm a beacon for these spirits, like a lighthouse. I've been told. I've been told that myself. I've been told that if I go to the cemetery, I've got like a line of people behind me, constantly following me. <laughs> I believe. I believe that. Yes. You're you're like Carol Ann, you know, when they roll. <laughs> <laughs> so so you notice this, and how many encounters do you say this is the quarter? I'm sorry, it kind of froze for a second. You asked me how many what? Yeah, as a corner. The internet here is not that great. How, how many encounters did you have as as the assistant corner? Oh, jeez. Uh, I can't even count. I mean, there were so many things. I, I have. I had high scratched on my back. I've had faces appear. I've heard voices. I've had, I've taken a photo. These are things that I put in my book. I've taken, mm -hmm. I actually took a photo. Have you ever taken a photo of a spirit? Yes. With your phone? And only once in my life, and I have a friend who's a medium, and she, <laughs> she we were sitting in my driveway. She lives in another state. I went to school with her. And so she kept looking over at the, the neighbor's house. And I finally said to her, what are you looking at? And she said, well, there's an old lady on the steps over there. And I said, well, there used to be. She passed away about a year ago. I said, well, she's standing there and she's looking out at the road like she's waiting for someone. I said, it's okay, describe her to me. And she said, you know, she had the shorter hair and the longer dress, like the muumuu, like the elderly ladies wear. And I thought at that point, even though I know I've seen her, I've heard her, I know that she really is very accurate with things. But I thought, well, that's kind of generic. I want to hear more. She said, well, do you want to see her? And I said, well, yeah, I want to see her. So she told me to take a picture with her cell phone. And that's how you did it? You took pictures with cell phones? Or are you working with, like, really good cameras? And we work with both. Like, 
EVPs yeah. and whatever yeah. else that you guys use. Well, mine was just a cell phone. <laughs> mine was just a cell phone. So I, in the dark, and I, you know, focused it towards the back step. I took the picture and then I went into my phone gallery or the gallery, picture gallery, pulled it up and she was there and it scared me. And I, I had the chills go from my head to my toes and I actually flung the phone. And then um, I'm like, oh my God. And so I grabbed my phone again, cause I thought, am I really, am I seeing this? And then I got so excited. I thought I've got, I've got to have a witness. Nobody's gonna believe me. So I messed, my texted my son, one of my sons who was still living at home. He was just out of high school you've got to come out and see this. And she said, well, you have to hurry because they disappear within like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Well, to cut a long story short, by the time he came out, the photo was just the black night. She was gone. But as we're talking, I got zapped in the butt. It was like uh, somebody burning my butt. And I jumped and I'm like, oh my God, what the, mm -hmm, beep, beep. And I looked at my friend and I said, do you, are these heated seats? And she kind of chuckled and said, Donna, it's summer. Yeah, I have heat, heated seats, but they're not on. I said, well, I just got zapped in the butt. She said, oh, that, you know, that's the energy. That's actually the neighbor lady that had passed away that I took the photo. Her name was Elsie. She said, that's just Elsie letting you know that she saw you and knows that you took that picture. Well, she zapped me twice. I'm thinking- You got noose by a ghost. This is kind of, this is too freaky. I, you know, I, I have enough going on. I don't need, you know, and so we called it a night and off she went and I went into the house and then I had this, all this loud buzzing started happening in my head and I didn't know if I was having a stroke or what was going on, but for some reason I ended up calling my friend instead of 911 and I said, I don't know what's going on. I've got all this buzzing in my head and she was like, oh yeah, that happens. That's just when you connect with spirits, it's this energy. And so it'll, it'll eventually dissipate. Did you ever experience that? I have, I have. You have? Absolutely. Yes, I oh. have. It, out ah, in the field. Okay, yeah. world, do you hear that? I'm not crazy. This is actually <laughs> I'm not the only one. Oh, no, you're was, fine. It's all good. That was scary stuff. I mean, that I is scary stuff. It was scary. Yes. And what's even scarier is the fact that, especially the, the ones that, that were coming over from where you were working because you had seen them in their dead state and, and now you're seeing them in your house. And that, that, that's got to be frightening. Well, I have to be honest with you that the faces that, it, well, I, the faces that I was seeing, I'm not sure if I recognize them. Do you think mm -hmm. they come back in different form? I don't they know. might have come not... back younger. They might come back younger, you know, and, and they look different. Well, and, and the thing is, you know, with seeing so many bodies, so many dead bodies, mm -hmm. at a point, your, your mind, I, maybe it's just me, I can't remember all of the faces. And I think maybe does your mind block it out because it's kind of a, um, a survival kind of your sanity because it's just too much. I mean, they're in there. I think so. I think so. I think so. The other thing is, you know, what you were probably born sensitive and didn't realize it. Yes. And so. once you got into that career, it opened you up. Yes. But and, and what's interesting is it's still happening when I have not right, been a deputy since 2015. It's going to because the door's open. The door is open. Yeah, and you've opened the door. 
As long as all the good ones. There was one that was really <laughs> the one that hovered over my head. He actually yeah. followed us. He followed us when we moved. But my son saw him the next time. And he I never said I don't think I at that time ever told them that this guy had hovered over my head at the at the time. But then we were at the new home uh, house and he was going upstairs to his bed. The bedrooms were on an upper level. And instead of turning the light on, he was going up and he, what he told me after the fact that night was that uh, there was this really, really ugly looking old guy at the top of the stairs. Now they were used to the little things that I'd mentioned to them or the orbs, like I'd said that they'd, or pictures right. getting knocked over. Um, but he got up to the top of the stairs and this old angry man was up there and for him being a teenager, <laughs> his reaction was he punched out at it. And it went, you know, of course, through the old man. Um, he of was course. more irritated at it, whereas I would have been like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's him again. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't I've been told I've got a lot of them surrounding me, like mediums have told me that. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. You have good energy, yeah. too. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. It gets so you crowded. Had this yeah. So, did you mention this to anybody at work at all that you that, that you were seeing this stuff? No, I didn't. And as a matter of fact, the only ones. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I, no. <laughs> um, the only ones that I really talked to about these things going on were, of course, obviously my sons, because they were dealing with it too, and uh, my friends that were mediums. Because I thought anybody else is going to think I'm crazy. But, you know, now I'm to the point where it's like, it's gone on for so many years. I wrote the book because I needed to, uh, I, I needed a way of debriefing. Because I was not only dealing with the death, the dead bodies, and the investigations and everything that was storing up in my brain and my heart, right. you know, of each case. But also I'm dealing with spirits. And uh, now that the book's out, of course, everybody knows. And but, but I am very thankful that people are being honest, and some people are coming forward and saying, "Oh, yeah, I have that too." So I'm not fabricating. I have no reason to, you know. Absolutely. So then, you worked in a mortuary. Is this after you were a coroner? No, no. What I did was okay. my background was always corporate travel, and I got to a point that I was getting pretty burnt out of dealing in travel. And so I thought I'm going to do something entirely different, which wasn't so entirely different because I was around dead. I ended up around dead people anyhow. So then it was seven days. Right. I, of course, uh, got to know most of the funeral, a lot of the funeral directors in, in the area and uh, funeral homeowners. And I heard of one of the funeral homes that was looking for an office manager so I had called her and I told her I'd be very interested. And of course she knew my reputation and had worked with me. So she gave me the position and I then worked at that funeral home for two years. That I think was even more, more freaky. <laughs> I'm, and I mean it in a respectful way, but there was more activity and spirits in the funeral home uh, than I ever witnessed when I was working on a death case on a death scene or at a death scene. Oh, interesting. Yes. What, what happened at the funeral home? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, being an I office like manager, 
I, I like to hear other people's stories, you know? <laughs> <laughs> being in a funeral home and being an office manager. Now, of course, funeral directors, if there isn't going to be a service that day or they haven't, uh, they don't have any bodies that they have to prepare for service, they're not necessarily in the office, right? So I'd right. be the one in the morning that would be unlocking the funeral home. And in the winter, it's dark. So you're walking into a, this was a hot, about a hundred year old, old English Tudor home converted into a funeral home. So there'd been a lot of bodies that had gone through that funeral home through the years. I would open up in the morning and there were many times I would think maybe there were other directors there because I could hear conversations going. And then I'd go on and you have to be careful when you'd be turning the lights on because you'd have to turn lights on in every room, right? And some of the like, uh, visitation rooms, there might be a casket in there uh, with the body in because there was going to be a service that day. And so they were prepared and, you know, it was just set up for the funeral. So you never knew when you're going to turn a corner and walk into a body, but you'd end up turning on all the lights and there wouldn't be a living soul in that funeral home except for myself. Uh, there were time, there was one time I was walking through the funeral home and the owner who was also a funeral director for many years I'm walking from her, her office through the funeral home to the front of the building, which was where my office was. And I heard the pitter patter of excitement on, you know, feet, shoes running. It was carpeting, but you know, you can kind of hear this movement. Right? And I wondered what's going on. And I turned, I looked and she's all excited. And I said, what, what's wrong? What's going on? And she said, did you see him? Did you see him? I'm like, did you see who? The man, he was right behind you. And she described what he was wearing, khaki pants and a white shirt. And he had blonde hair and which could have been what he was wearing the day of his visitation mm -hmm. or who knows. But um, he followed me from, you know, she was must have decided to come to the front when I was going to. But she followed behind. He followed behind me and she followed behind him through the building. And then he turned and went into one of the visitation rooms. Um, wow. We would have we would have services where like for example there was a, a bar owner that a tavern owner he just passed away of old age right and um could have been i don't remember it could have been medical and so his family brought all of his um paraphernalia from the bar for the visitation that day and they set it up all around this this room and it was a you know it was a lovely service and so that was over with but Maybe a month, I don't remember, a month, late, month later, maybe, weeks, a month later, I'm sitting in the office and all of a sudden this overwhelming, strong smell of beer came floating into the room and I just felt like, yep, he's here. He was a bar owner and, you know, that was his life. And I felt like he had come into the room and was just passing through or what he looking and checking and seeing what I'm doing. I don't know. Um, but there'd be many times, have you ever, you've smelled death, right? You know, it's a very yes. distinct, strong yes. smell. Once you've smelled it, you never forget that smell. And it happens to me at home too, but it also would at the funeral home. Uh, you smell it come into the room and it's very strong and it might be only there for seconds or it could be for a minute or two and then it's gone. But there were times when I'd be at home and it's like, Oh God, no, come on, not tonight. <laughs> Can I just have a break here from death? I'm tired. I just, you know, so there's just things like that. I 
one of the ladies that I don't know if she still works at the funeral home. She worked at several funeral homes. She would meet with families for pre-arrangements. And she uh, was telling me recently, since the book has published, that she took a friend into that particular funeral home, let's say within the last six months or a year, not so long ago. And he walked immediately into, went into one of the visitation rooms and she said he put his hand up on the wall and he started shaking uncontrollably and he got really freaked out. And he just shot out of that funeral home. And she, of course, followed after like, what's wrong? Whatever he felt in that funeral home was so bad that he said he would never set foot in that funeral home again. And he wow. wouldn't tell her what it was that he felt or he saw. But I thought, no wonder. I, I mean, it got to the point where anytime I walked in there, and the, the funeral directors were very respectful, very professional. So there was never any issue about that. They were always with the decedents, very professional and empathetic and, you know, um, but it was the activity that was in there. It was always, there was a heavy feeling in there, the smell of death, or like I said, the orbs, uh, the voices. And had I known had that man been in there when I was working there and he did that, I would have run out with him and I would not have gone back. <laughs> I would have been, that's the end of my career at the funeral home. I'll go back to travel. See, for me, as a, as a paranormal investigator, someone like him sets off alarms to me because he knows there's something negative there and he didn't try to do anything about it or get somebody to help, to, you know, to help the situation. Yes. I do know of a building that could probably use help. So if you want to talk off camera, I can let you know about that. It's not good. It's very bad entities of a business. But so that that's an off camera thing. But um, yes, you frozen. Have I frozen up on your end? Internet. I have to get a Wi-Fi booster because it's having issues, and oh, there you it's are. because I'm in a different room. So, you know, since I moved everything, I'm, I'm in a different location in the house, so it's having issues. I so I'm going to fix it. that. I did and see gonna, where you and, and I'm going to owe you another appearance after this because of this. <laughs> yes, yes, we will plus, talk. Plus, I like your, plus I like your stories, but I, I want to get back together because this isn't fair to you that this, it keeps clipping them out and stuff either. Um. No worries. No, nothing negative came to your house at all, though, right? You, you were fortunate that nothing, you know, attacked you or your family or anything like that. Uh, well, that that man didn't look very friendly. But when I had the high scratched on my back, uh, now right. I've been okay. told that they're not supposed to touch you. And although I'd be freaked out and it really was, you know, it, it would scare me when these spirits would do these things. I didn't want to ever be touched because I thought now you're, you're crossing the line here, pal. But I can tell you, uh, oh yes, a couple of places I could tell you about. <laughs> I don't want to give it away in case people I know are watching, but <laughs> there's a area that there's several families that might have homes built on whether it's uh, a burial ground or what, I don't know, but uh, there were a lot of things that were going on. I saw the dark figure. Have you ever seen the dark figure? I think I've heard, I have, I've read I've seen the shower. And I've, I have. a couple of times at one of the homes, 
Um, and it was very unnerving. And then also a bathroom mirror. I have a picture. I can, you know, I've got pictures mm -hmm. of these things. So I would share them with you. I'm not just making, I've got, okay. no. right. But we'll talk. Um, the, the bathroom mirror was scratch. Is it like, is it only a diamond, right? That can scratch glass right. or a mirror, right. right? And it was an elderly person that lived alone that was not there that day. Uh, because they were in the hospital and I stopped in for something and the glass was, the mirror was fine when I went into this, it was the bathroom in the room. And then she was released from the hospital, brought her home. And there was, it was like scratched peace sign and there were letters. Now that's the same place that I saw the dark figures a couple of times uh, there was a scratch on the glass. There was another time at that same, that same home that, um, there were little dirty footprints on their kitchen countertop, like a little boy, their neighbor actually upstairs. This is within the last year. I was in that area and she looked, she didn't look well. And I'd said, Oh, are you okay? And she, I ran into her and she said, oh, I'm just exhausted. You're exhausted. What are, Have you been working a lot or what's going on? She said, no, I, oh, I don't even want to know if I should say this on air. She was attacked by uh, an evil entity. Okay. And she swears by it. And she looked exhausted. She had, I don't know if it was a family member or somebody married to someone who was a minister or a pastor who went in and did whatever he needed to do. And I don't know if that helped anything, but I just got a message from another neighbor in that area that told me in the last couple of days, there's been a lot of things going on. Oh, yes. yeah. oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. That's exhausting. In fact, I'm surprised with the encounters that you've had that you haven't been exhausted afterwards. I am exhausted. I've been exhausted. I meant I was mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted, not only from mm -hmm. the job and dealing with being around death and the sadness and the grief, but uh, the always being on the high alert from not knowing, uh, like I'd said, I had this happen to me the other night with the figure that showed up. And then mm -hmm. about a, a month ago, I was pulling out of a, um, a parking lot in my car and a rot rotary phone started ringing. And of course, not thinking straight. I mean, I know I don't have a phone in my car, but I put mm -hmm. it in park and I looked in the back seat because I thought, okay, do I have some of my parents' belongings in a box back there that maybe it's a spirit clinging back there in the box, but I didn't have anything in the back seat. But then I thought, mm -hmm. oh, okay. And so then I put it back and drive and I went so many feet and the phone started ringing again. It wasn't just one ring. It was like ring, 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 wow. maybe like four or five times. I put it in park again. I turned back and I looked and I thought, okay, somebody's trying to get a hold of me. But then it was like nothing after that. So things are, there's, it, it does get exhausting because I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you know, no. I'm not psychic. I'm not saying I'm psychic. I'm not a medium right. to track spirits. And I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with these. Tell them to yeah, go to the you light. Need training. Yeah, you need <laughs> training. So somebody needs to train you. Because right now you're just an open conduit. But that's for another day. Yes. We'll talk off camera on that one. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. um, 
It's interesting. I mean, I find this interesting because even if you go to a mortuary, like I have a, I have a horrible habit when I go to mortuaries, even when I have a deceased loved one that went, I have a horrible habit of asking the morticians if, if, if they've had any activity. What do they say? They usually say no. Well, and I'm wondering if I had someone ask me that uh, or say that people, you know, people in the, the death industry don't really ever talk about that. They've never said that they do. I don't know if maybe because they don't want to frighten the public, frighten people mm -hmm. to not want to go through that funeral home or um, they just don't want to scare people. I'm not trying to scare people either. I actually am looking at it on the 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 good thing, the positive thing that right. everybody is going to die. And I think that there, I believe that there's more, we leave our body, yeah. but we're going to continue on and, and our loved ones, <clears throat> excuse me, are waiting for us. And they're actually watching over us. That's the way I'm approaching everything. So um, uh, whether, and I've had people say, I, I'm, I don't know if anybody else has written that's been a coroner or worked in the death industry has written a book about all of the experiences. I think so, I but they might, they might have. But you know what? You got another book you can do. I mean, if you're if people are reaching out to you with their stories, you can just whip it. You know, you'll be able to put another book together. I'm already working on the second book, and of course, the book was uh, <laughs> the book ha has been written for screenplay adaption to a feature film. So uh, awesome. my publisher, who is Gary Revel, and he owns Jongler Publishing. He's also, he also owns Jongler uh, Film and Music, and he was also the script writer. And so, and I'm just mentioning, I would like to uh, give note to Frank Burmaster, who is also the script writer. And Jeff Ohm will be the director and producer, and he's well known in the film industry. Uh, he worked on films like mm -hmm. The Revenant, uh, Titanic, Fifth Element, um, oh my God, Shrek, so many films. And he's actively reaching out to agents uh, for hopefully filling some of the major roles with A-list actors. I'm excited. And so I'm already working on the second book because there's so much more. I bet there is. I mean, you did that for a long time. I don't, you know, yeah. do you, I mean, do you uh, feel that almost everybody that works in that industry has had some kind of encounter? They just don't want to talk about it? I do believe. Yes. Yeah, I do. Now, whether they'll wow. admit it, that's another story. But right. I'm not the only one. And like I said, even just those two people uh, that came forward that I didn't know before that are working with death that have said to me, oh my God, yeah, we've got so much activity. I mean, they've admitted it to me now, whether they'd ever admit it to anybody else outside of that circle of, you know, the people working around that, I don't know, but oh yes. Well, just look look at how much you've experienced and how oh, many yeah. people deal with the paranormal. You, either you oh, believe yeah. or you I think until you've experienced you uh you are doubtful you you're you know you think oh, it can't be that's not true. i know i've had psychics on my team ask me when you know when i was actively working as a reporter if i would if i if i saw the um the people leave their bodies on scene and i never thought of doing that or taking like you say take a photo you know when you're out there and just to see but he yeah. this, this one gentleman jason said yeah you know if you do that and take a photo you're, you're going to catch the essence going 
I've seen little clips of that happen. And, and as a matter of fact, one of the mediums that was a friend of mine, the one that told me to take the picture, um, she has worked with police departments in locating bodies from serial killer, killers, which is what she told me. Um, I don't know how long ago, but she used to work in uh, the medical field and in, she's actually a doctor, but she worked in the medical field and she said that she would see uh seven angels like this would be an er when somebody's gonna pass mm -hmm. and it would be guardian angels three angels on each side of the body and then the matriarch at the the head of the the patient who was going to be a decedent because they'd be there to uh, i suppose help the soul goal i took care of my mom for the last five months of her life she was put on hospice she moved in with me and so I watched her actively dying and it was amazing. And it was such an honor. It was very, you know, sad. I didn't want to lose my mom, but there were so many things. It was like um, family members that had passed away, loved ones were coming, getting, preparing to take her. And the night before mm -hmm. she passed, she'd gone into a coma. She was still here at my, where I live. And, uh, I crawled in next to her in her hospital bed and she was originally from born and raised in Ireland. And we have a lot of family still over there. And I could smell this, the, the air got very heavy with the scent of years ago, they used to burn the peat, the bog in the fireplace, in the fireplace, mm -hmm. right? For heat. And there's, I love the smell. It brings back wonderful memories as a child. Um, Cause we used to spend every other, or every couple of years there in the summer. Um, mm -hmm. And the scent became very, it was very heavy. And I just knew that all of our ancestors were waiting and my dad was waiting to come and get her. But prior to going into the coma, she would uh, have, be having conversations with like my dad who passed away in 2016 and like an uncle that had passed away. She, I'd cut a piece of pie for her, even though I know she wasn't really eating at the end, but I still would, you know, make meals and, um, I cut a piece of pie for her and then I had left the room because I was working at home. I came back out and she hadn't touched it. And I said, Oh, aren't you going to try your pie? And she said, well, Larry wants some. Now Larry would be my uncle, Larry who passed away years ago. And I, I just would go along and I'd say, Oh, Larry, of course you can, uncle Larry, of course you can have some. And I picked up the plate with the pie and I cut it into pieces and I put, you know, handed up into the air. And I just said, here, please have some of this pie with mom. And then she smiled and she was happy and, you know, off I went and she never ate any anyhow, but I, they're all around us, our loved ones. Oh, yes, they are. Yes. In fact, when my mother, um, towards the end, cause I took care of her here and I remember I would be changing her and doing what I had to do. And she'd look in the corner and go, that man's watching us. And I'd say, yeah. what man? He's over in the corner watching us. Okay, okay, you know whatever. <laughs> is, is he happy with the job I'm doing? Yeah, okay, that's good. As long as I don't anger him or anything, you know. As long as um, he's happy, you're happy. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. I have a question in the chat room. Um, let's see. Oh, are you um, involved in the? Uh, I guess this, she's asking. Are, are you interested in the direction that the directors are going to portray your writing? I was a script consultant, so uh, I had a lot of feedback because I, it's based on, obviously based on a true story. It's a screenplay adaption. 
um, but it's pretty true to yes, it's pretty true to what what I wrote. Yes. Okay, cool. That's going to be great. In fact, I just ordered your book today, so I'm going to be reading that because I was really fascinated by the whole oh, thing. Thank you. I would have sent you. I would have sent you one. That's it's what just, I did. You know, our, our conversation was not so long ago, and so that you wouldn't have gotten it in time, but. But oh, I, I would have. I hope you enjoy it, and thank you. I would have sent Absolutely. you. Absolutely, I definitely want to get you back on here if that's all right. Oh, I would love that. I've really I, enjoy, I've enjoyed I, tonight. I really apologize because, um, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm in a closet where I put my sound booth, so it's more it's more the walls are thicker between me and my between me and my router. So obviously, I have to buy an enhancer. I think it's been great. There were just a couple of like just for a couple of seconds, and I thought. You know, I wasn't sure if I'd lost you, but I, I think it's been great. Ah, here's a question. Now they're coming in. Uh-oh. <laughs> Have you ever been afraid of things that happened? Yes. <laughs> Me, you mean with the spirits or? Yeah. 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 That's, that's like, you know, I'll jump out of my seat. Yes. Jeez, the other night when I had that one that I, I was, it was so hot. It's been so hot, right? I mean, I have air conditioning, but I wasn't cooling off my bedroom and so i you know how you keep moving around right so i was actually facing my right and then i moved to my left and that old lady was like right there looking down at me and and it caught me off guard and she was too close to me i mean i've seen with them where they hover right or they're standing like just right. in front of you but for her to be like right there that I actually gasped and I didn't scream, but I'm like, ah! <laughs> you know, and then she <laughs> disappeared. But yeah, I've, 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 okay, here we go here. Yeah, I'm going to have the, I'm going to have the heart attack now because I wasn't ready for that. So yes, it does. It scares me. I mean, well, you I, don't expect I, it. You're laying there, you wake up and then there's a face right here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've never gotten used to it. Nope. Here's a question, and this is a question from Monica Funk, who's on here. I'm going to talk to her. Monica, Ruby, Pamela, what else? Monica, Debbie, uh, Karen, everybody's on here. Marisa, hello. Um, Hi, Monica says, do you think that being around this kind of thing makes you sick? And Pamela. Yeah. Makes me what? I'm sorry? It makes you physically ill, being around that stuff. Does it, can, can it make you sick? Uh, well... Me personally, or can it? Can it? Can it, it, it? Can. Well, it can. Anxiety, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, anxiety, fear. <laughs> so I would think that when you're always at and oh yeah, like, the anxiety but, alone can 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 make you sick because you know it's coming. You know what's around oh the corner. My God. I, I have I have been told that I have some post traumatic stress. Now that would be not oh, just. Oh yeah, I gotta me. fix this internet. I'm gonna lose my mind if I don't. If if you oh yeah you're frozen but I'll keep you talking here. Definitely got to fix can hear me. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I know what it's caused by. <laughs> oh, there you are. Okay, this there is, you are. Having trouble connecting often caused by unstable internet. Well, yeah, I can see that tonight. I can see what's going on. <laughs> Unstable. Maybe it's, yeah. it's, it's the spirits. <laughs> it might, could be. Us. It could be that they're messing with you and messing with me, and I, you know, because the conversation yeah. we're having. Because you know, how you were saying that you're noticing it settled down for a while, and now you're noticing an increase of all this. That's because you're you're talking about your book. 
Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I had someone tell me that now you're going to be, you know, of course, you're going to be talking about death a lot. So you never want to be disrespectful, which I'm not. I never would be. Um, right to the spirits or to a dead death you know so um absolutely i thought about that and i thought yeah. okay are they trying to send this lady the other night was she trying to send me a message was she's just stopping in is she you know one of the gang that follows me yeah yeah I've never seen her before but you're right i i thought about that after seeing her i thought Oh my God, this is going to start picking up again. So yeah. I answered the, the, the lady that was asking about, can it affect you physically? Yes, because I'm trying to remain, remain calm and, <laughs> you know, only good stuff. All you good spirits here. It's okay, but please don't, don't keep scaring me like that. At least give me a little bit of a heads up. Not See, just that's, the, that's the agreement I have here because this house is active. So I tell them, you know, my favorite thing is, I know you're here. You know, I know you're here. Don't scare me. And do they? And do they give you a heads up? Yeah. They well, do. What do they, what do they it's do? Just they, they know not to scare me. And it's, mainly it's family that I have here, so they, they know not to scare me. But they will do. They will move stuff around and, and things like that. You know, I hear banging at night and stuff, but it's nothing that, that you know, yeah. anything coming to my face or anything like that. So as long as it's like that, I'm good. Oh, <laughs> banging and things like that. Oh, boy. I thought somebody called out my name a couple of weeks ago, and I live alone, I sh you know, and, so, and I'm in security, uh, yeah. a couple of levels of security. And I, you know, and other times this has happened, and it's like, nope, not going there. <laughs> I don't know who's calling my name, but... La, 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 la. <laughs> I go to sleep, of course, you know, then I lay there, like, waiting what else is going to happen. Well, that's the other thing. As a ghost hunter, I don't do EVPs or any filming in my house because I don't want to I don't want to hear their voices. I'm fine that they're here. It's cool. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, you don't want to hear the voices. I don't want to hear them. I don't even care. If it's my mother, I don't want to hear it. You know, I, I know she's around. That's good enough for me. At this yes. point, you know, in the game. Anyway, you know what? We blew through this hour. Oh, was there a question? Hang on. Gonna need to learn how to own and trust her unlearned strength. Yes, I'm gonna have to work with. I'm gonna work with you a little bit too. Later on in the week, you know, next week we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk because I, I I teach basic psychic development. But do I want to know more? Is that going to be make me make me even more aware and and scare no, me more? No, no, because what it'll do, it'll teach you how to close the door so they don't come at you all the time. Oh, I'll go for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I teach basic psychic development. I can teach. I can teach you the, the skills to do that. So, like, thanks okay. for stopping in. You know, uh, have a, You need to have a nice trip. Be well. Be safe. Go on. <laughs> go to the light. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. I, I'm all for that. Yes. Yes. Anyway, this hour blew by. I want to, you know, you and I will talk off camera, you know, at some point. Um, but I want to get you back on. I, I, I you know, just you're a great I guest. That. I'd like to hear more of your stories. And the next time, I promise the internet will be working properly. Um, I got a, I mean, I had trouble with it before over in the other room, but not as much as this. So, yeah. I'm going to get a Wi-Fi enhancer. But anyway, thank you so much. And oh, like I said, I will work with you if you want to teach you some some psychic development skills so that you don't get bombarded so much at home. Okay. 
that will help you out a little bit. Here's my but, thumb. Uh, there it is. <laughs> there you go. Deal. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you for coming on. And thank I'll, you for I'll, 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 I'll email you later. Later on tonight and stuff. All right. Thanks a lot, Donna. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you. All Take right, care. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have everyone. a good one. You too. Okay. Bye. That was fun. And let me get my logo behind me. Again, I apologize, everybody. Um, I'm in an enclosed closet in here is where my sound booth is, and I think the internet's having trouble getting through. Like, there's another thick wall closet next door to me, and then the door that goes down the hall. So I think it's an issue where I might, because the little light my Wi Fi thing keeps coming on. So I'm going to take care of that. That's why, that is why God made Amazon so you can order things. So I already found one on Amazon to buy that's fairly cheap that I can enhance my internet. And uh, again, I want to show you guys this because I'm really excited about our shirts. The shirt came in. I always do one test shirt. The front looks like this. You got that? I'm going to try to name this. The front looks like that. You got the main logo on the, on the pocket. The back is what's cool. The back, let's see if I can do this again because you guys were on earlier. Okay, I'm going to try and do this if I can get it up. If you guys can see, I can't tell if you guys can see this or not. Let me know in the messages. But there is the back of the shirt right there. And this weekend, I'm going to try and get some photos of it on either Marisa or Rice. We can get some photos in the studio. But this shirt, um, I'm going to have it up on the website. And all the proceeds go towards the radio show and the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team because we are a nonprofit. Okay. As you can see, I'm running the little logo thing along the bottom for donations at my pay at the PayPal to help support this show. So if you can do that, five ten five ten dollars would be great to help support this. It all comes out of pocket. And like I said, the group's nonprofit and all that comes out of pocket. Um I'm working on getting one of our team psychics to do readings once a month. So we can make a we can make some money to support what we're doing here, because the, the the more I can put in here, like the Wi-Fi enhancers, the better the show can get. So we're doing that, and as you can tell, I'm working on all the glitches that 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 we've had um, since I moved in here. Because you know, last time I did this, my head was hitting the mic all the time. Everybody thought it was funny. The other thing I did was last the other day when when I would go forward, you guys would lose me. So I ended up putting another mic on the side, so you guys don't lose me. So I've been making adjustments, and then today this thing with the internet came up. So this isn't an issue. You know, it's a non-issue. I'll fix it. But I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. If you can share this with five people. The more people we get listening, the more popular we're going to get and start, you know, spreading out more. Um, I really appreciate it. Share it with people you don't like. Share it with your enemies. I don't care. Just get it shared. Just share it with people. But anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming. And Monday, for those of you royalists, I kind of messed it. I kind of got my days confused the other day. Monday, uh, we are going to be talking about Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. And we have a, a um, historian. Uh, named Love, who is going to be on on Monday to tell us about Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. So they've got a real cute history as a couple. So it's kind of it's kind of neat. So anyway, I'm going to let you guys go because this internet is making me mental. I held my, my temper for the whole hour because I was getting really angry at it. But anyway, um, you guys have a good one. Thank you all for coming. And for you guys that missed the first part of the show, you can always catch it on uh, Facebook. It'll still be on the Facebook page or it will be up at the YouTube page. Okay. All right. So let me butt out of here and you guys have a good weekend.